Hello, and welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I am Jordan Palmer, joined as always by Mr. Charlie Bud. And today, people, <laughs> we've been getting a little excited for this one. We're doing a little bit more director shop talk, but this week we have the say legendary, legendary Bud. I would say so. Legendary Quentin Tarantino. Had a lot of fun watching some of those films this past week, and we're here to discuss. Man, memories of plenty uh, with this guy. So, Bud, I know there's a lot of thoughts, probably a lot of things to get into, but I'm curious what you got. Ah, uh, well, Tarantino, Tarantino is a absolute, uh, you know, legendary filmmaker in Hollywood. Uh, just all around, I think I've seen almost every single one of his movies, with the exception of like one. Uh, I think I've only haven't I haven't seen Death Proof, which I think. Uh, funny enough he says is like the worst film he's ever made so i kind of now feel like i need to see it because i have not seen uh death proof but i've seen every other tarantino movie some not in a long time so my memory will be a little fuzzy on some (laughs) of the finer details um but yeah dude i i've always been a big tarantino fan uh you know, I always look forward to any movie kind of comes out with. You know, he's got such a unique and interesting style, and I'm sure we're going to get into it. But, you know, what are your thoughts on no, today? No, absolutely. Kind of the same. So I remember, you know, you've always heard the name Tarantino. Hmm. But until you watch one of his films, you don't actually understand what it means for a film to be Tarantino-esque. True. So in stepping into that and just getting into his, his world and his mind, I mean, so many things are apparent about him and his interests and his you know, preferred movies and that comes through in his own filmmaking. So I think there are so many things that are present in his films and I, I love them for it. I always learn something new and then you always get into just the gratuitous violence and the random side conversations. So, you know, you gotta love those. It's really known for the gratuitous violence. You know, I'm trying to think of like a movie that doesn't have like too much violence in it, you know? I want to say like Jackie Brown, but I, I also like don't. I like I don't remember it too. Like it's been a couple of years since I saw it, so like I could totally be forgetting. But like I remember that movie, like thinking that was kind of a tamer film for Tarantino's style. I mean, this is the guy who did Kill Bill. Mm. One does not forget. I will say this about Jackie Brown: it's the only movie that he's adapted. So it was. That is interesting. Oh, that is so, okay. I did not. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's kind of the. Uh, might have been why it's a little bit more tame. tame. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but he did take some creative liberties there. So you know. You oh, hundred percent. He always does that, you know. Um, of course, of course. I think one of his bigger like themes in uh, his films is how like how Hollywood he makes everything out to be. Yes. Um, absolutely. So like he. Uh, like for instance when you take like samuel L. jackson and john travolta's characters in uh pulp fiction you know they're yep. supposed to be like criminals Jules but like you know it's such a hollywood style of like criminals it's not like you know he doesn't write them as your typical criminal that you would find in like you know a different kind of movie it's very like you know propped up very you know uh what's the word like extra extravagant i don't know like it, okay. it's it's i don't know it's it's like played for the movie you know it, it's almost like it kind of knows it's a movie without like breaking the fourth wall in a sense 
And, like, you can kind of see that theme across, like, a lot of his other movies. Like, Tarantino has such, like, a unique style. Like, especially the way that he writes, like, dialogue. Because I think that is a big part of it. Is, like, um, how kind of meta his movies are when they are like he he always shoots movies through like a lens of like a hollywood like a really like old school hollywood movie which is why when you have when he made once upon a time in hollywood it would it is the most tarantino of tarantino films because and people say that is because how hollywood he is (laughs) no i i agree there i'm curious actually so taking that all into consideration what are your what is your favorite tarantino film Oh, that's a that's a tough question. I would um hmm. favorite film. You know, I I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know it's like his most recent one, so I think it's <laughs> definitely more top of mind. I do love Django as well. I think it's up there. Mm-hmm. Um but I uh enjoy hmm. I'm gonna have to, I'll just go with one spot in time in Hollywood. I just love yeah. that little ode, and I really like how that was just a culmination of like Tarantino in kind of one movie. What, what's your favorite? See, I had to like had to think about this one, but ultimately, I think the most Tarantino esque and my favorite would have to be Pulp Fiction. I think if you watch that, then you yeah, know that exactly is true. What you're getting into mm-hmm. when you watch his film, so I know I appreciate. I was it. trying not to say Pulp Fiction just because. <laughs> oh, okay. um, I mean, I love Pulp Fiction. There's nothing wrong with Pulp Fiction. I think it's a Definitely. super good film. It's just like it is the quintessential yep. Tarantino film. So I wanted to try to avoid that one. But <laughs> I know it's great. I mean, it is a fantastic movie. It honestly probably is my favorite. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. See? So. What's your mind think alike? What's your least favorite movie of Tarantino's, if you have one? No, I do, I do. It's the uh, the good old Hateful Eight. Ooh. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's just, I mean, you're coming off of Django, so you have this this expectation, mm-hmm. and obviously, it's kind of a callback to his earlier films, specifically when you're thinking about like a Reservoir Dogs. Where it is a very set. callback to Reservoir Dogs. Yep. Like a chamber kind one of... One place. Chamber really drama. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, just didn't uh, boat my boat like the others do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would have to agree with you. I did not like it. Like There was something about Reservoir Dogs that I did really enjoy yes. uh, when I watched yes. it, but... I don't know. Like the hateful eight just didn't hit the same way, I guess. Like, um, I just felt like it was a little too long, uh, dragged out a little bit too much, especially for a movie that has one setting. Like the great, what's great about reservoir dogs is like, it's an hour and a half movie and it's in a one little chamber like it's in the same it's a chamber drama one and a half hour movie it's got great dialogue it's an entertaining plot about like trying to figure out who's the traitor among them and then like you have hateful eight which i think is like a two and a half hour movie essentially the same spot and like it's like watching a play I get that. It's kind of what I think he was going for. It's like an, it was definitely an ode to old Hollywood because there was a version when it came out in theaters. You can watch it in like I think uh, I don't know if every other version of the movie had this, but like it has like Act One, Act Two, 
and then like mm, an intermission okay, yeah. and then like act three or whatever act four act five i don't know how many acts it was i don't remember uh but i don't know to me it just felt long but like it, t- it felt too long felt too dragged out i didn't really find the overall story that interesting i thought some mm-hmm. of the i thought the performances were great fun little twists in there for sure but what are your thoughts? Why is The Hateful Eight not your particularly favorite of Tarantino's movies? Um, just piggybacking off of kind of what you said, specifically, I think, well, one of the reasons I really enjoyed Reservoir Dogs was because for those scenes that take place before it, they actually show other sequences, and you're not only there in the, mm-hmm. I think they were actually in like a, a morgue or something, but uh, unfortunately for The Hateful Eight, it's more set in, that specific kind of regard also it's kind of not a period piece but obviously reservoir dogs takes place in an era that's closer to when we're living now versus back then so a lot of the the individual character plots that are going on and leading them to this you know moment of convergence are more relatable to me than some of the others from just the hateful eight so and also the seemed like the hateful eight they were a little bit kookier in terms of the, the characters. Not to say that that isn't cool. I love yeah. me some some kooky characters, but mm-hmm. uh, just a little different from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, it's it's just it, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite movie. It was kind of forgetful in a sense, and just overall wasn't. I haven't seen it again. I, I saw yeah, it in theaters the all the, those many years ago, and I it was like kind of mm-hmm. weak. And <laughs> it was interesting that he does another western on top of just. Yeah. doing a western yeah. i know he loves westerns i know he does um, yes but i just thought it was like interesting how he like kind of did back-to-back like western movies but uh yeah i thought that was pretty weak and i know some, some people will probably disagree with us yeah um okay. so I, I feel like i have a I few friends who really liked the hateful eight and you know maybe it's worth a rewatch. i don't know but i remember my very first impression of that movie was it was not good <laughs> I'd have to pray on a rewatch. I'd have to pray on that. Uh, yeah, it'd be a tough rewatch. It's a long movie for me to be yes, like, do is. I really want to sit through this? Gotta make I know I'm not a big fan of this movie already. It was my, yeah, see, you're like, going in with a bias. Yeah, I'm going in with a bias, and it's long. Yep. So you know you're going to – either you're going to be like, okay, maybe at the end it comes – or if you're just pissed the entire time, you're like, wow, look at that. It's like, Always. wow, I'm like 40 minutes in, and I'm right, but like, you know, I should just watch <laughs> the entire movie just to make sure I'm right. <laughs> just to confirm. And then like at the end of it, you're like two and a half hours wasted. It's like right back where I was before. Right back to where I was before. <laughs> Wasn't a fan. So Yes. That was <laughs> the <not. laughs> final thoughts there. But actually, I'm glad, you know, we've kind of tied it in, and I'm curious just to kick it back off to film number one mm-hmm. for Quentin Tarantino, and that is Reservoir Dogs. Yes. But... I'm curious. Did you have a favorite sequence in the film? Uh, who has been a while since I've seen Reservoir Dogs. Uh, so I think I first I watched. Say, look, when was the first time you saw Reservoir Dogs? So it was around the time that I was getting into Quentin Tarantino as just a filmmaker. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Django was coming out. Because uh, I remember I was watching these movies in high school back when you would get DVDs delivered on Netflix. Um, so I got Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, and Inglorious Bastards. Um, and I think I watched Pulp Reservoir Dogs second. I think I watched Pulp Fiction first out of Tarantino's movies okay. just because that was like the quintessential movie yeah. um, by Tarantino. So I went and saw it. And then I think I saw Inglorious Bastards first. But 
or second rather. And then I got around to watching Reservoir Dogs because I had a buddy who was also, you know, big in Tarantino, kind of the talk of the town with Django coming out. He's like, oh, you should really watch Reservoir Dogs uh, because it's like his first like directorial debut and um, it's a really good movie. So I was like, okay, I'll go give it a watch. So I rented it and I was pleased. So it's been a long time. I, you know, I am old. Uh, so, <laughs> well, uh, three weeks from now, I'll be 27. Sure. So, ah. <laughs> the big two seven. But I think <laughs> I saw this movie awesome. probably 10 years ago then, which is terrifying. And so, I'm trying to remember kind of like what, like, you know, my favorite sequence is in that movie. And I honestly am drawing a blank. So I'm going to pass the question to you. What is your favorite sequence? Okay, my favorite sequence of that, honestly, it's a very random one, but it's the sequence in which uh, Tim Roth's character, who plays the undercover cop, is learning oh, his monologue. For, oh, yeah. oh, oh, while Ooh. we're at that, everybody who's listening. It came uh, out in 1992 <laughs> or something, so if you haven't seen Reservoir Dogs, that's on you. It's on to you. Yeah. That kind sorry, of though. That we are sorry. A major, major plot point. Mm-hmm. Kind of. But just from <laughs> here on out, if you don't want any of these, these details spoiled, maybe just hop off of this particular episode and hop on to another one. Mm-hmm. Zombie Apocalypse is kind of cool, so if you want to hop on that. Always love a good scenario. But continue, Bob. <laughs> but getting back. Um, so, yeah, Tim Roth's character is just going over his monologue. And it's funny because I love watching an actor – who is playing someone who isn't an actor who's trying to be an actor because it's just as you said meta it's just this yeah, weird thing it's so, so like, meta uh, yeah let me get this line down and then he has his buddy who's just like yo make it your own man you got to remember the details like what was happening in the bathroom was it a uh, paper towels or the push machine one it was i think yeah. it's just funny because in so many ways his character is the one that ultimately i feel like drives the the movie forward mm-hmm. and so just seeing him kind of prep for that <laughs> was pretty good yeah if i recall correctly does that movie kind of like end with all like a big like shootout between all of them like yeah i think yeah it's coming back to me so i think definitely just like that and when it all kind of like unravels at the end it's just like it kind of reaches a boiling point and then it like pops and like everything just unravels and it's it's a wild ride like from start to finish in that movie so uh i love the climactic finale of yes. Reservoir Dogs. Um, I think that was my favorite part of that movie. But going back, sorry. Um, when was when did you watch Reservoir Dogs for the first time? Because I, I am curious. So I actually, it was one of the later, I would say, Tarantino films that I actually, actually maybe it was one of the like middle, in the middle. So I watched it back in 2015 for the first okay. time. And that was, I'd only seen it the one time before rewatching it now. So it hadn't actually stood up too well in terms of just where I placed it among Tarantino's other films. Yeah. But rewatching it, I wasn't even planning on watching the whole thing, but mm-hmm. somehow it sucked me in. So Tarantino, you did your thing, man. Uh, there you go. I really, just the character driven plot, it was just, they had such depth to each of the individuals. Even Mr. Blue, who you didn't ever uh, Mr. Blue. Because, yeah. <laughs> and I got, but uh, even he had like a little backstory there. Yeah. So that was cool um i was gonna say like what where would you put that movie in kind of like you know your your rankings of the tarantino film yeah see i would i was gonna hold it kind of to the lower end like mm-hmm. like low maybe like last or second to Ooh. last but now it's Buff, moving up down down 
towards the hateful eight status. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Hateful eight territory. I know. Brutal. Damn. Brutal. But it's it's in middle. It's in mid tier now. It's mm-hmm. along with the kind of the kill bills. I'd say for me. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. I think I would probably rate it somewhere in the middle for me. I think, you know, uh, hateful eight status on down to the bottom, and I think right above that would maybe be Jackie Brown. Um, I know. Ooh. Oh. Oh, he's, he's shots fired, shots yeah, fired. Yeah, a little Jackie. bit, but it's okay. Okay, okay. I mean, they're all, I think, you know, I rate movies that are all extremely good. You know, like Tarantino doesn't really have too many really, like, you know, if any bad movies. I mean, I don't know. I've not seen uh, Death Proof, which I've heard mm, he yeah. himself is called awful. So um, <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I, I can't really rate, like, how... But like I feel like Tarantino as just a as a whole as a director is extremely talented and there's like all of his movies are very very good. Um, and to put res like you know, I feel like there's a big gap between Hateful Eight and Jackie Brown's. Mm, okay, oh yeah, it's got to go somewhere, you know. And like the other movies, the other movies them. just they do it for me. They do it for me. Um, I completely feel that. I completely feel that. But do you have? Okay, so you don't remember. Is there a quintessential, like, a scene that defines the movie for you? Is it the shootout or is it another one? I definitely think it's the shootout because, I mean, that's what I remembered from a movie okay. I haven't seen yeah. in, like, 10 years. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, that that is absolutely explosive. I just Because I think it really just caps off, like, the character drama, like, this mm. chamber drama movie that sets, that's set in a, what I thought was a warehouse, honestly, um, from what I, I remember. Like, morgue was just, uh, like, a, a fun fact. Yeah. Um, and then it just, you know, it gets all chaotic and it eventually just ends the way that it does. And it's just a wild, fun ride. Um, mm. So, I think that's what I enjoyed most about it. So, that's, okay. that's me. Fair, 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 fair. Oh, man. All right, it's perfect. I was going to say, in terms of that answer, um, have to be the torture scene with uh, <laughs> Mr. What is it, Blonde, when he cuts the guy's ear off while seeing you two. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but is it stuck in the middle with mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Just because it's actually interesting as like a background tidbit. So apparently, the guy playing the cop who was tied up mm-hmm. ad libbed the line, I have a little kid at home. And Matt, what's the, I forget his first name, but Madsen, the guy who plays Mr. Blonde, mm-hmm. had just had a kid like 18 months before. And he didn't break down, but they needed to stop and he needed to like get himself together because he's mm-hmm. so related to that. And I said, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. That just a, pretty a quick little background tidbit for you. There you go. Yeah. There yeah. Go. But uh, overall, Reservoir Dogs, you said number uh how many movies does he have like okay, uh, we're saying kill bills are the same so we'll make that out of eight okay so i guess hateful eight would be eight uh, <laughs> coincidentally really enough uh, <laughs> uh and then i guess reservoir dogs would maybe be like the sixth the sixth or maybe okay. i don't know maybe i put it above i don't know kill bills so iconic but i, I know, know i like, know a lot of good scenes in there um, All right, we'll hold it at a, we'll a six maybe, maybe like a little asterisk yeah a little asterisk i mean it's like i said asterisk already it is a tarantino mm. um so moving on to what he followed up with yes which was pulp fiction what uh, a follow-up for tarantino a movie that most people who you know would probably consider his best work what would you I put would that concur. up there? You would agree? I would concur. It's my yeah. number one. Mm-hmm. You're number Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You did say it was your number one. Um, 
Tell me about that. Okay, so first time I saw this was actually with my freshman year roommate, uh, Ian Collins. Shout out to Ian if he's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was, he was, we were talking about Tarantino, and he said, oh, yeah, Pulp Fiction. And I said, I've never seen Pulp Fiction before. And he said, dude, are you kidding me right now? And I said, no. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. He said, all right, we're watching this movie now. And so we started like watching it. But no, dude, so I don't know if I'd ever up until that point seen a movie so out of order and it was just all these bizarre oh, really? random scenes because it starts, I think, with the end, more or less. Yeah, it, it does. Kind of with like Tim Roth and uh, yep. yeah, sticking up the uh, yeah, like, the diner. diner. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so then you go kind of and you start getting into some continuity. So more or less, the I guess timeline goes back, but it continues straight. And then you flash back again. Yeah. And then you pull in these random characters like Bruce Willis. You're like, who the heck is this guy, and why mm-hmm. is he in this film? And yet, somehow, it all comes together. It really and does. It's just a, a beautiful, it's a per- wacky it's a masterpiece. Perfect example of really well-done, non-linear storytelling. Yes, absolutely. Unlike Chris Nolan's Dunkirk. Uh, I've never seen Dunkirk. Oh. Oh, boy. This oh, is boy. a cautionary tale. <laughs> For those of you who don't know... If you have, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the episode, on the, any episode in our podcast, What's up? Um, but I don't like Christopher Nolan <laughs> as a director. <laughs> there it is, people. There it is. There it is. Uh, not to say that he doesn't have good movies because he, he does. I just think the last couple have not been great. Shots fired, baby. Like, basically, since The Dark Knight was the last good Nolan movie. Sometimes you got to take a break. Yeah, continuing to work, right? Let's be real. Got bills to pay, man. Yeah. Oh, but anyways, always gonna be gems. So, um, all I'm saying is, Chris and Olsen take notes on how to do nonlinear storytelling. Because even though I followed it perfectly fine, Dunkirk is still. St- stupid in terms of the way it tells it's like non-linear story i think a lot of, i knew a lot of people were confused by it i'm like yeah because he's not good at it but anyways um so sad <laughs> i digress um didn't realize you were going down a rabbit hole there bud oh What's it was up? okay so when was the first time you saw it? let's go <laughs> this question. okay first so i mentioned it. it before but uh i saw it probably around the time i was getting into pulp fiction it was definitely or tarantino it, it was it was the first Quentin Tarantino movie I ever saw though, mm. uh, was Pulp Fiction. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really liked it. I didn't know what to expect, so that was an interesting kind of perspective going into this. I had no idea anything about Quentin Tarantino really. Um, I knew that I actually actually I had no, I had nothing. I knew that he liked violence because uh, I remember Family Guy made fun of quentin tarantino in an episode when they asked to get their baby circumcised and quentin tarantino comes in with a katana and like slices (laughs) (laughs) i've never seen that before really that is hilarious (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't think I'm making it up. I'm pretty sure that's an actual <laughs> clip from Family Guy. Um, it's so funny though. I'm. Try- 
Honestly, it's so wild. It makes sense. I believe it. I think it's an earlier season of Family Guy. Oh my Because <laughs> I mean, it was around when Kill Bill was kind of popping off, so it had True. to be kind of a uh, early um, Family or a Family Guy episode. Uh, but anyways, so I knew that he kind of liked violence because I heard of kill bill i heard that it was just a like a martial art movie that had a lot of blood a lot of like killing people with the freaking katana so i kind of actually was expecting the movie to be way more violent than it was um pulp fiction from what i recall isn't really that violent it definitely has moments from what i remember but i don't think it's it's not kill bill it's not django it's not even once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, bastards too. Yeah, and oh, I forgot about glorious <laughs> bastards. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's kind of it's different in that sense, um, but uh, there's so it was heavy in dialogue for sure, and that's mm-hmm. kind of when I learned like why wow, he's really good at dialogue, and it's a really and he, I also kind of real like picked up on his. Um, uh, his, his style really early on like pulp fiction is i think another really good example of tarantino kind of being tarantino like he found his style in pulp fiction if you ask mm, me okay yeah actually no now that you mention it because mm-hmm. there were funny moments in reservoir dogs but he didn't really bring in as much humor mm-hmm. and it still felt like he was kind of continuing with some of the same constructs of classic hollywood mm-hmm. but Pulp Fiction was his opportunity to really start breaking the mold and doing his own thing. So yeah. I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. I still think like old Hollywood and um, uh, is a huge kind of inspiration and almost even a style of Tarantino is that it's mm-hmm. always an ode somehow to like old Hollywood. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I can't remember if, Tar- if it's Tarantino or Paul Thomas Anderson who like worked in video store it was it was tarantino okay yeah it was one of the two i couldn't remember which one it was um yeah tarantino like i just feel like he is a a guy who grew up watching every movie under the sun from hollywood like old and new and you know obviously because he worked in like a movie store and eventually made his own movies and like he just wanted to make a hollywood movie and that has been something that is kind of defined who he is as a filmmaker and i think pulp fiction was the real kind of birth of the tarantino that we see today Mm, absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely so with that background Mm -hmm. what was your favorite scene and for you what's the quintessential pulp fiction scene Uh, i mean for me it's the scene when samuel l jackson and john travolta go and interrogate that guy Uh, and it's like i mean that is just so iconic to pulp fiction to for me uh and i you know it's just like say what again you know (laughs) and like i just love that i love that scene um what about you okay favorite scene honestly i'm gonna have to say i'm gonna have to say that one yeah yeah absolutely just when they're going in to get i guess whatever's in the briefcase yeah and you just see Samuel Jackson say, "We happy?" And he's like, "Yeah, we happy." Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! Just and then the big Kahuna burger and the whole conversation mm-hmm. about you know what a royale of the cheese is because they don't have the, the, the metric system like random <laughs> stuff, but it just makes it's it so easy. good though. It's just so good. 
the dialogue is amazing um pulp fiction is such a fun movie to watch uh if you haven't seen it i don't even think we spoiled that much of the movie yeah, no we didn't we really didn't uh definitely check it out if you have not seen pulp fiction so definitely and so wait is the quintessential scene for you also that scene yeah i would say i mean what is it for you like I was going to say, see, this is like a random take, but it's the Uma Thurman, uh, John Travolta dancing sequence because I feel like they always show that everywhere whenever they're talking about Pulp Fiction. That's fair. That is fair. Yeah. They do. Yeah. They do. Things to think about. Things to think about. Things but okay. to think about. Closed sure. out his second installment there and brought the third installment, which we've talked about, Jackie Brown. Now, I would dare say this is one that most people have not seen, maybe even heard of. Yeah, it's uh, not like you kind of have to be like a Tarantino buff mm -hmm. to really know that he did Jackie Brown. Definitely. Definitely. And as we said, he didn't write it. He adapted it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm curious. You said it ranks as your number seven. Yeah, I would say so. Um, Interesting. It's like one movie, like, and you know, the thing with Jackie Brown is I've seen it r more recently than I've seen Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and I remember those movies more than I do Jackie Brown. Like, yeah. Jackie Brown is a movie that I literally, like, forget, and I know I've seen the movie, because <laughs> there are scenes from it that are in my mind, I just don't have the context for <laughs> what's going on. Uh, I think it's about, like, someone, like, Rob, someone, I don't remember, like... I honestly don't even know. You know, honestly, I swore I knew what the movie was about because I, I know I've seen it. Mm -hmm. You just asking me to explain the plot. Yeah, that little uh, house of cards just fell down. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I swear it was a smuggling operation, right? Okay, that's ringing She's a bell. Like a flight attendant. She is. She she is something. She's something. Oh, there goes the camera. Oh no, good. Um. She definitely is, uh, gosh, she, okay, I think she is a flight attendant, sorry. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. I remember, I, I remember, I think you are I remember correct. the soundtrack was fire, so good job, Quentin Tarantino. I do remember the soundtrack being pretty fire. Um, wait, Jackie Brown, oh yeah, Jackie Brown was 1997. Um, yep, a flight attendant is busted smuggling money for her arms dealer boss you got it dude okay, i don't even okay. i don't even really remember that we're i do remember that rob man. de niro is in the movie yep and uh, yep rob rob de niro i think that's like the one and only time he's worked with tarantino i think so hmm. think so interesting but okay when was the first time you saw it okay so i saw this movie in my senior year of college with a buddy of mine um was it david it was David, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw it with him. He was he loves Jackie Brown. <laughs> um, so he's like, "Oh, we got to see Jackie Brown." Dude, he was all about it. So we sat down one night and just knocked it out, knocked it out of the park. But what about you? When was the first time you saw that movie? Um, basically the same time frame, summer before senior year. So going into. We had like that free trial to HBO and it was just one of those movies. And I was like, oh, this is one of those Tarantino movies I haven't seen yet and haven't really heard of. So I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, though, I put it as my number four, I'd say. Oh, explain that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So once again, like I really love 
the everyday modern day kind of events for the characters just because i feel like a tarantino is just a master of dialogue but b it's so much it hits different when it's something that i've talked about or something i similar to what i've talked about with other people and so as you're seeing those sequences like he'll he'll pull in these references when he's talking about you know the 1800s from things you don't even know about or really old things that you've never but when he does it kind of in the more modern era it's a little bit easier to understand and keep up with and i just relate to a little bit more Mm -hmm. Uh, couple that with the fact that i mean i don't know what it dude i don't know maybe it's a strong female lead or but i mean he had that in kill bill but even the casting it was the perfect amount of stakes perfect amount of flawed characters and just random bizarre things that occur and mm-hmm. you're like only in only in this movie but it all works somehow so that's why i think i just mm-hmm. i think i yeah go ahead sorry i'm sorry i was just gonna say it's because it shouldn't work but it mm-hmm. does <laughs> i think i just need to see this movie again the reason i'm rating it kind of low right now is because i saw it more recently than the pulp fiction and glorious bastards and um reservoir dogs and i don't remember this movie that much like this one is the one that has slipped from my mind over the others so that's the reason i'm rating it lowly low is because i'm like well if i forgot it already then like how good was it so uh i feel like i need to see it again um because i don't remember i don't remember saying that oh that wasn't bad i remember like enjoying the movie i just don't remember the movie <laughs> um Maybe it was just so good it just it slipped your mind it wow was like, it was so good i was such i was in such a trance <laughs> um but all right so i don't really know if i can give out like oh my quintessential scene and favorite scenes for this movie but i'm curious what yours are and um yeah okay i think my favorite and the quintessential is just at the end um, so basically, Jackie Brown is driving, singing uh, across 110th Street. And I think I like it because it follows behind this whole crazy sequence. That's, you know, the whole storyline is building to a head with Samuel L. Jackson being the antagonist. And you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And he's basically gunning for her. And she makes this ally in, um, what is he, like a sports store owner guy, dude. It's the same dude who um, was in Breaking Bad playing the vacuum guy get his name for some reason right now. wait brian cranston no no the the one who was like i can make you disappear that guy oh uh i don't remember who that guy is. If it comes to you let yeah. me know but essentially it was just and you were rooting for her mm-hmm. and oh spoilers here like so basically everything works out she gets this sum of money and she's like i can basically you can come with me we can go and because they they're kind of in love and in the day he does the right like the right thing and says hey, i'm okay without it but then he looks up at the end and you're like maybe he will but he doesn't and it's just i think it's a very cathartic just moment of her finally breaking free and doing her own thing and so mm-hmm. that's why i uh i like that one nice nice yeah 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 All right. but uh i guess it's interesting because that leads into what ultimately becomes another Movie driven by a strong female lead, which was Kill Bill. Volumes one and, and two. And two. Do them together. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kill Bill. You know, like, I think, yes, Pulp Fiction, he's known for it. We all know that Tarantino 
his best movie is considered Pulp Fiction. But I think, do you, would you say that Kill Bill is his most well-known movie? Or at least maybe like, or yeah, would you say it's his most well-known movie? Honestly, like after Pulp Fiction, I think that's the number one, mm-hmm. truthfully. Yeah, if you like, you go around asking people today, like, Quentin Tarantino, what's the first movie that comes to your mind? Mm-hmm. I feel like actually kind of want to people like hit yeah, us up on yeah. social and let us know what the answer to that question is for you. What's the first movie that comes to mind when you hear the name Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, and you can reach out to us on Instagram at What You Got Podcast, which is spelled W H A T C H A, or on Twitter at What You Got Cast, which is spelled the same way. Sorry, continue, I, bud. <laughs> I know I was gonna, you know, I was actually gonna ask you like, what is the movie that comes to mind when you hear Quentin Tarantino's name? Honestly, I want to say Pulp Fiction, but mm-hmm. oddly enough, as I've talked to people about Tarantino movies, I feel like the majority of people will refer back to Kill Bill. Yeah, like I, I think it is a good point to make that most people probably recognize Kill or Tarantino with Kill Bill rather than Pulp Fiction. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, Kill Bill, I mean, Kill Bill was so out there i guess it is like it's a revenge flick of martial arts and some would even say a little bit of a western <laughs> oh yes perhaps, uh, perhaps. i mean she does go to mexico at the end right uh, oh yeah that's right <laughs> I about that. um but yeah so i mean going into kill i mean that is a it's so i i mean i say it's like tarantino tarantino but like this is like the tarantino cranking up another like style of his which is like ridiculous levels of violence yeah oh my gosh it's almost to a point where it is oh my gosh here we go again a hollywood (laughs) stylized version of violence wow it's almost like there's a common theme here palmer no i agree i agree i agree because it's like over the top sequence stands out to you the most when it comes to stylized glorified violence under the exaggerated hollywood banner are you talking about like what moment in Kill Bill oh, or just in um, yeah Jim? from Kill yeah. Bill? I mean, it has to be the at the end of Volume One, where Uma Thurman's character goes into that temple and like literally slaughters a hundred people. Yeah, um, that is like the moment, and like you're yeah. like, yep, wow, good lord, oh my god, there's blood flying everywhere, limbs. Oh, everywhere you can look dropping like flies dropping like like arms heads legs feet hands torsos they're just everywhere i can't even imagine what the blood budget had to be mm-hmm. if they were to reshoot that scene like several times because that had to be an absolute nightmare i think i read somewhere that they used like an absurd i can't remember but it was a tons of gallons of gallons of fake blood that they used for that movie and I also remember reading that, you know how that scene at the end, like when Uma Thurman's character is like murdering everybody in that temple? Um, you know how it's in black and white? Yeah. You know, the reason for that is uh, not because Quentin Tarantino wanted to do that, but it was because the MPAA said that if it's in color, it's getting an NC-17 rating. Oh my <laughs> It was gosh. so graphic. They they forced him to make it black and white, so um, it would be R. Wow. Yeah, 
That's the fun fact for Kill Bill right there. There we go, people. Mm-hmm. Soak that one in. <laughs> wow. Um, but it is uh, absolutely that is why, and it's just so wild when I read that. Uh, and like Tarantino was totally about it because, as I said numerous times, it was an ode to old Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and he really is into like kung fu movies and everything he is so you'll see the yellow jumpsuit that uh uma thurman wears mm-hmm. is a shout out to bruce lee from game of death and then just the fact that bill is what uh what's his, what's his name uh carradine mm. right Car- oh my gosh yeah played david david carradine yeah who was in the original show kung fu and he played uh kwai chang kane so mm-hmm I mean, this dude. I feel like there are a lot of O's to Kung Fu movies, especially like Jackie Chan. I mean, he has it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, like an ode to Jackie Chan, I'm pretty sure. It's Bruce Lee, but all good. You're sorry. Bruce Lee. <laughs> you're good, you're good. Oh, my God. I'm, oh, I'm messing these people up. But uh, no, no, absolutely. So he, he loves him some movies. But when did you first see this, too, by the way? Kill Bill? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's from like early 2000s. I think I saw it sometime in college actually oh, it was wow. one of the movies that i saw later even though like i was getting into tarantino but i saw it after django for sure really yeah yeah interesting um because i don't know i just it took me a while to get to watch kill bill for some reason i don't really remember why you know it was just it there, i don't think there was a specific reason it just took me a while to get around to watching kill bill uh, but i'm glad i finally did because it's excellent and uh i I, it's it's a fun movie to watch i mean like who doesn't want who doesn't like a good old revenge flick of like just absolute chaos and violence and like uma thurman wielding a katana and slicing people up like who doesn't like that cutting people down and I liked it too. Interestingly, I think he was originally going to make it a single movie, mm. but then they're like, "Why don't you just make two? Because it's kind of long and everything." <laughs> and they did, and it works that way. So that's cool. It too. It does, and you can even like watch it. I was mentioning this before we started recording, but you can watch it now. There are versions of it where you can watch it all at once, like volumes mm-hmm. one and two are combined, and just like the Kill Bill, the the full experience. I don't know what the full title is, but I do want to watch it in that iteration of it. I think that'd be a really cool kind of concept, or not cool, but like a cool viewing experience to kind of just watch like the what I think is probably four hours of the, a movie just all at once. But mm-hmm. it'd be a long. That's an afternoon right there, but you know. Yeah, yeah, enjoy your day. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for Kill Bill 3, which is inevitably, apparently, coming out because it's, you know, when I go over to Google, uh, Google. it says it's happening, but I don't think it's officially happening. Mm. Do you know so if maybe it's you guys heard it here first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys heard it here first. I got Quentin on my speed dial. Yeah, Q. Q, call him Q, and you know, a cutie. That's kind of funny because I feel like cutie is like cutie, you know. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, you know, I, I I have Tarantino on speed dial. He 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 confirmed yeah. with me that uh, Kill Bill Three is in the works. This is next. <laughs> That's movie. the most important thing to get out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you take anything away from me uh, from this podcast is that Kill Bill Three is happening. 
Charlie and QT are quite cool. Yeah, we are close. He's my uncle. (laughs) (laughs) We actually was. (laughs) Um, He's not. Don't. Yeah, don't. Don't. Okay. Don't don't go. Um, But I'm curious. When when did you see Kill Bill? And what are your thoughts on Kill Bill? Oh, so I saw Kill Bill actually a while like ago. Mm -hmm. I saw it in high school, maybe like 2010, 2011. And so I, uh, I'm trying to remember. This might have actually been my very first. Really? This is your first Tarantino movie? Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. This actually, I think, was. And, uh, dude, I mean, like you said, wild, wild sequences of just gore and violence. And I I love martial arts movies and everything. And Uma Thurman was cutting people up. It was great. And I loved it. We used to obsess over the whistling song from the initial sequence of um, Kill Bill Volume 1 when Mm -hmm. L is just walking into the hospital. And you're like, yo, it's about to go down. Yeah. Me and some of my my friends. But, dude, no. I mean, it was, as you said, almost like an exaggerated take on a Hollywood kung fu slash karate film. It was extra in all regards you had the guy who jumped up on her sword at the tip and was just standing on it while she was holding it up and then she's working on her one inch punch and you Mm -hmm. know getting blisters and everything and you're flashing back and you're flashing forward and then ultimately it just shows the growth of this random woman beatrix kiddo into this freaking killer assassin who now needs to take revenge on a group of like crazy assassins so it is so extra but so tarantino at the same time and it works for me yeah uh <laughs> i mean uh, they like that it's just such a style like you yep. know like he he comes from pulp fiction where he really is kind of like cementing who the kind of filmmaker he, he's going to become and i think kill bill like explores the other avenue of the kind of filmmaking he wants to become because like up until that point, he didn't have the most violent movies. I mean, Reservoir Dogs is definitely like violence, and he always does the over-the-top kind of gore in his movies because he really likes that Hollywood-esque like paint, if you will. He likes putting that Hollywood-esque paint to his movies. Um, and Kill Bill is definitely like going to, to the extreme. He really pushed it, see where he can go with it, and especially, and I think it works because. He, it is an ode to kung fu Hollywood movies, and it's always just like it's really extra. Um, but man, we have been running pretty long in this episode, and we're not even like halfway through oh, his movies. Do um, we stop off then at Inglorious Bastards and pick it up next week? Oh, dude, Quentin Tarantino Part One and Two. Oh, like a Kill Bill action? Oh my gosh! Oh my we gosh! Could do that. I mean, honestly, this might be like how many more movies we got? Inglorious, Django. Hateful Eight, uh, and, and Once, Once Upon, Upon a Time. time All right, yeah, let's let's go through Inglorious Bastards. All right, let's do it. Let's now, do it. Uh, this is a great movie. I think it's just hilarious, and it's in a way like it's a dark humor for sure. You know, it's about you know World War Two, uh, and you got. Uh, I think there's a couple of stories. It's pretty non-linear, which is I think another thing that. Quentin Tarantino has does a lot. It's like non-linear storytelling. Um, but like you have Brad Pitt, who just Heck I yes. just I love his little speech where he's like, "We're going behind enemy lines, dressed as French civilians, to do one thing only: killing Nazis." Absolutely. 
<laughs> Dude, they had a crazy cast. They had him, yeah. they had BJ Novak from The Office. They had <laughs> I forgot. They had Michael Fassbender. They did they have, have Michael Myers. Fassbender in that movie. Um, Mike Myers. They had Christoph yeah. Waltz. True. Dude, that was Christoph Waltz's, like... I mean, I know he was established, but gosh darn, that man broke it down. Yeah, didn't he, like... He's he works with a director where like both times he worked with that director he won an Oscar for it. That was Tarantino. That was Tarantino. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah, it was it as Inglorious and um, Django. Django. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think Christoph Waltz plays the Nazi, right? He does, dude. <laughs> he does. He plays it so well. I know. It's it's a uh, pretty pretty wild, but um. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. It, it it is another again. We're gonna beat the beating the dead horse here, but it is a very Hollywood version of a World War II epic by Tarantino, and it has like the quirky dark humor in found in characters like uh, Aldo Rain, aka Brad Pitt. Uh, so uh, I'm curious though, like, what are your thoughts on Inglorious Bastards? When did you see this movie? Okay, so I saw this one actually maybe, I want to say senior year of high school. So back mm-hmm. in like 2012, 2013. I think it had been like out. So pretty soon after it kind of got released, um, I watched it. And dude, like, oh, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. Because once again, I wasn't sure if I knew Tarantino was obviously going to take some creative liberties yeah. in doing this film. But uh, he, he went for it, man. He went for it <laughs> full force. And so I was there, and I loved just having that, like, you know, Jewish unit just taking out Nazis, yeah. led by our boy Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. But then um, they tied in this guy, Stiglitz, who was, like, uh, part of the Germans, and he was just killing officers, and then they were, like, oh, yeah. squad. And you had that story running parallel to this story about this movie theater owner who had of Jewish descent, and her family was killed by Christoph Waltz, and she escaped yes so, that's like the beginning I, of the movie yeah right uh yep. very very tense moment when like christoph Wolf, yeah he said oh shoshana yeah oh man memorable moments of mm. the whole movie for me that's probably my quintessential and favorite scene mm-hmm. um but then it's just uh it's crazy because it starts going down and as the plot goes hitler and a lot of the other you know top brass of the ss are going to her theater to watch this film they produced yep. about this. Not, and this she has like a plan to movie. kill them all, right? Like that's yes. just conspiring. Yeah. And so she was like, I'm going to take them all out while they're here. And I'm curious because spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to hear this, please hop off. But spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so she kills everybody. Basically she, yeah. she gets it done. And mm-hmm. uh, I was not expecting that because I thought Tarantino was just going to, kind of keep history more or less consistent but how did you feel about that the first time you saw it that he said you know what we're gonna completely change all of this up uh, i i liked it because it kind of keeps you on your toes it like makes you kind of expect the unexpected i don't think tarantino is ever really going for historical accuracy in this movie like he has elements of historical accuracy i don't really know how like aldo rain if that was a real people or anything like that i mean i just thought they were funny and i thought it was just like tarantino being like fuck nazis kind of oh sorry can i curse on my own show um (laughs) uh 
<laughs> saying like f nazis and um he i also just think like i think that's kind of why he made this movie he he really just wanted to make a movie where he depicts like scalping like and murdering and killing nazis and <laughs> as brad pitt would say and like i he has such good fun i was just remembering now that, that scene where like brad pitt and like a couple of the other um the that jewish soldiers like uh they go and try to sneak into the theater and they had to pretend to be italian <laughs> and brad pitt just goes in the most like american accent bon giorno <laughs> And they're talking to Christoph Waltz yeah. who like speak fluent Italian in the movie. He's like asking them questions. <laughs> I forgot about that. that. I just remember that now because I was just like thinking. I was remembering like yeah, Brad Pitt's character was hysterical. In oh that my movie. gosh, so funny. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it. It is just it's so when we see the end where like everybody just gets freaking murdered and like it felt satisfying because like Tarantino wants you to be like, yeah, fuck or screw these people. Um, I'm trying not to, I'm sorry. Family friendly show. Here. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, he's like, screw these Nazis, you know? And like, I think that was kind of what he wanted to do. But what were your thoughts about that ending? Did you, like, did you like that it kind of does a little bit of, like, that revisionism? And not to be, like, the bad connotation with historical revisionism, but rather, like, the the fun way where he just wrote that he just kills all the Nazis. Honestly, I think, I think it was such, like, a defining moment in Tarantino's career when he was just like, you know what? Because before Reservoir Dogs, you hadn't really seen that much violence and then these random side conversations so many things had followed a certain formula Mm. and so finally we get to this point in this film where it's like okay we know that he was doing his thing artistically but now you know here it comes Hitler gets away everything ends i think that was tarantino's moment where you know what f it i'm the i'm the director this is my story and i'm gonna i'm gonna take the reins i'm gonna do what i want to do and then it was you know he made he wrote history as he wanted to see it and so i respect that because it was so unexpected, and I think it gave that satisfaction that so often you miss out. All those historical movies you see, like Valkyrie and whatnot, about you know attempts on Hitler's life and everything, and you know they're going to fail. You know it's going to happen. It's just like, all right, here we go again. But this one, I mean, this hit different. So I respect the fact that he took that creative choice. Yeah. And like we see this uh, trend again when he does Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, another kind of period piece about 1960s hollywood mm-hmm. and he kind of rewrites what actually happens in that movie but we can talk more about that once we get to once upon a time in hollywood in part two of this podcast <laughs> because we're gonna have to do that and maybe now i'm gonna probably watch a bunch of tarantino movies uh, okay, yeah, yeah, again okay, because talking about all these are making me want to re-watch them so um but yeah, so like Inglorious Bastards, like that, I, I I loved it a lot. I think it's definitely towards the top on my um, Tarantino movie list. Uh, it's tough because you know I'm thinking about the movies you still talk about, and like yeah, there's some really good ones there. But where would you put Inglorious Bastards? 
I put this one at number five. Okay. That's a solid, yeah. solid ranking right there. Yes. yes, it is. So as it stands, eight, hateful eight, seven, kill bills, part one and two, six is reservoir dogs, five is moving up the ladder. Moving up and then the four ladder. is Jackie Brown. And one is Pulp Fiction. And one is Pulp Fiction. <laughs> and then two, I'll, I'll save the two and three for next time. Oh, where will two. they be placed? Yeah, what? <laughs> um, but all right. So, is there anything you want to add to Inglorious Bastards? Honestly, I mean, I just like I said, and it's once again you see Tarantino's love of movies because I feel like the whole point of Michael Fassbender's character is he's this cinephile who comes in who can speak German. And he's helped because the whole background story of them sneaking in is that they're making a movie with this famous actress, and that's Brad Pitt and the and the boys. And so he's there, Michael Fassbender, to legitimize that. And so he talks about these movies, which I'm almost 100% sure have to be real because that's just how Tarantino rolls. Or he wrote the script of something and he just plugged that in there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so many Tarantino-esque elements all yeah. in one film. Again. Oh, yeah. And yeah. at this point now, I like after all the movies he's made, he's definitely kind of known to have this style. Like, oh, absolutely. yeah, like it is like we know who Tarantino is. He's very like all of his movies leading up to this point have really cemented himself like as like the Hollywood Hollywood director. So, yep, yeah, really, uh, he's got a, such a unique grasp on his movies and. It's always fun when a Tarantino movie is coming out or when you know one's coming out. But uh, All right, well, I guess we'll save the rest for part two as we move into Django Unchained. Django. Django. (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up part one of the Quentin Tarantino director? I think just uh, stay hydrated, people, because it's still quite hot outside and uh, it's important to keep that water and tank up absolutely yeah. absolutely <laughs> it's actually it was a nice cool day here in new york i don't oh, know what okay. it's like down there in maryland but it was a little hot a little scorching a little, <laughs> a little bit of scorching <laughs> all right well everybody thanks for so much for listening that's our show we are the what you got podcast hosted by yours truly charlie bud and as always the wonderful jordan palmer uh be sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts and we are now on youtube i'm sorry my camera cut off in the middle of that but it will be back fully on part two of the uh tarantino and should be on for the rest of them as long as i remember to have my battery fully charged um this thing i need a new battery that's what i'm telling you everybody i need a new battery but the youtube episode for those who are listening on spotify it will be out on tuesday one day after uh mostly just because it takes a little bit longer to get that up to uh to youtube rather than getting it on to all of our you know other podcast episode or uh platforms um so it's already late so i didn't want you know i'm not I'm not gonna try to rush it i do want to get this episode out though so hello to all those who are just listening to audio and hello to everyone seeing it on youtube tomorrow be sure to follow us on social media jordan if you want to drop them one more time where you follow us I can do that. You can follow us on Instagram at Whatcha Got Podcast, which is spelled W H A T C H A, or on Twitter at Whatcha Got Cast, which is spelled the same way. And make sure and uh, let us know what you think about Quentin Tarantino, his movies, and all that stuff, and and more. And ask us any questions. 
and we'll also make sure you follow us on Twitter, especially because we'll be tweeting out where you can subscribe to us on YouTube once the channel goes live. So until then, we'll see you next week with Quentin Tarantino, Director Shop Talk Part 2.